want to welcome you to Shepherding Our Strays. A very important thing, our Board of Elders has been working on this. Well, we actually started delving into it back in September. We've been talking about it for a long time. It was interesting that if you heard the intro or the, yeah, the, on the intro page today, how much it talked about shepherds and flocks and the adversities that we have, and I thought it was very appropriate that it would be on this Sunday. With that, we begin with prayer. Oh God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength. By your mighty power, defend us from all adversities that may happen to body and all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. We especially come to you this day on behalf of those that need your comfort and your care, your healing hand, your guidance, especially those who are away from us. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would keep us in your care and them as well as you call them back to your flock, that there may be one flock. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So, a flock of sheep. That's the first part that we're on on page three. Let's go ahead and speak Psalm 79, verse three together. But we, your people, the sheep of your pastor, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. And John chapter 10, 14 to 16 says, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my sheep know me, or my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice so there'll be one flock and one shepherd. Psalm 79 is a confession of faith, emphasizing, but we, your people, the sheep of your pasture. John 10 tells us who is our good shepherd and what he is for. He's for the sheep. And there are other sheep of the sheep pen. And the goal, of course, is that there is one flock, because in the creed we confess, right, there is one holy Christian apostolic church. Even though there are many congregations, many churches, many denominations, God will gather his people into one flock to be his forever. A flock of sheep. A flock of sheep is one of the ways in which the Bible pictures the church. It's a very powerful image for the people who lived when the Bible was written, and a very helpful image for us today. How many of you have ever worked with sheep? Hey, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> sheep follow, yes. Unlike many people who heard the prophets speak about sheep or who listened to Jesus teach with parables involving sheep, the rest of us may not have very much experience with sheep. But you don't have to know a lot about sheep to understand what the Bible is picturing for us. So down below, I want you to go ahead, check one box in each line, which of the two statements on the line best describes sheep as you understand them. Okay? Do they have any natural predators or are they targets of predators like wolves and lions? Able to defend themselves against enemies? 
or not able to defend themselves against enemies. Can take care of them, leaders by nature, are followers by nature. Can take care of themselves, need a shepherd to care for them. Better off when they are away from the flock and the shepherd, or better off when they, when they are with the flock and the shepherd. So now what I want you to go ahead and do, I want you to an- jot down your answers for 1B, C, D. Okay? Take a moment there and jot down your answers for those questions that's on the other side of page four as well. Jesus is our good shepherd. But for this next question, if you have an answer for 1C, please raise your hand. Got a few? Keep them up. Okay. So, and after I call on somebody, somebody else, keep your, just keep your hands up. Jody, what do you got? Getting lost. Getting lost. Sheila? Being attacked. Oh, being attacked. Susan? Um, lack of lack of food and water, essentially. Uh-huh. Lack of lack of food. Gianna? What's that? Isolation? Okay. 1D. If anything, do, what do sheep need from their shepherd? Those of you who have an answer, raise your hand. Okay. Naomi, what do you got there? Protection. Kahobi. Guidance and leadership. Anybody else have any other answers? Very good. So, not just any sheep, page four and five. Whatever we may ask, and those that are reading, if you'd please come forward. We may think about sheep. God speaks to us, uh, speaks of us as sheep. When he calls us sheep, he wants us to realize that we're not just any kind of sheep, but his sheep are more dear to him than literal sheep are dear to their shepherd. And some of these passages of scriptures that use this image include, um, as we're reading through, I want you to go ahead and answer the questions and have, um, answer the questions as these scripture passages are being read. Underline your answers in the scripture passage. Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Uh, Psalm 101, verses 1 through 3. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Thank you very much. So again, in what ways does above passages picture how the Lord views and cares for his sheep? Two parts of that. Luke 12.32. Luke 12.32. Jesus said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Thank you very much. Again, underline in what ways do the above passages passage speak of how the Lord views and cares for his sheep? Isaiah 40, 11 says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So, in what ways do the above passages picture of how our Lord views and cares for the sheep? Psalm 95? Yes, Diane. 
So the sheep of his hand. Psalm 101, 1 to 3. For he's the one who made us, and we are his, the people of his pasture. Luke 12, 32. Okay, how does he describe us? A little flock, and how does he care for us? Yes, by giving us his kingdom. And then the last, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 40, 11. Yep, he will gather in his arms and tend. Indeed, carry him in his Buddhism. And lastly, gently lead. Based on these passages, would you we expect the Lord's sheep to want to be with their shepherd or to be away from him? Those who would want to be with the shepherd, raise your hand. Those that want to weigh us with the shepherd. Okay. Now go ahead and the why. I want you to go ahead and jot down here why. There are sheep in grave danger. Despite God's loving care for his sheep and the dangers that we face, we are apart from him and we tend to wander away from the shepherd. Our wanderings lead us to sin. Without the shepherd's intervention, we would certainly be overtaken by the adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Thankfully, the shepherd has intervened. As we read through the passages in front of you, answer the question, how has the Lord rescued his sheep? So from Ezekiel 34, 11 to 12, that is in front of you, it says, for thus says the Lord, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them. As the shepherd seeks out his flock when, his young are, when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places that have been scattered on the day of thick darkness. From Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, everyone his own way. And the Lord has laid him down, laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, how has the Lord rescued his sheep? Yeah, he's the one that seeks them out, isn't it? Yep. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what tempts us to go astray, to wander from the shepherd? Okay, thick darkness. What in Isaiah tempts us to wander? Well, the answer in Isaiah is, of course, that we've all gone astray in some way, okay? But what are the things in life that cause us to do that? Our old 
Yeah, our old Adam that, yeah. What does the old Adam do? It's sins, disobedience. Pride. Ten Commandments. Embarrassment because of wrong we've done, so on and so forth. Remembering and not remembering our sins. At first glance, Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 10, and Psalm 103, 8 to 13 may seem to contradict each other. One says the Lord remember our sins, and the other says that the Lord will not remember our sins. A careful reading of the two passages makes it clear that there is an important difference that resolves any contradiction. So as we go through the passage, the two passages here, what accounts for the differences in how the Lord deals with our sins? I want you to go ahead and underline your answers as we read through the scripture passage. Jeremiah 14.10 Thus says the Lord concerning this people, they have loved to wander thus. They have not restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. From Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So, in Jeremiah, what's the difference what is the reason for God punishing sin? She like to wander her way. Mm-hmm. Anything else? <laughs> Lack of restraint. Okay. Now, looking at Psalm 103. What is there, account the difference on how the Lord deals with our sins. Okay. Yeah. So great is a steadfast love to those who fear him. So what is the difference between the two? Joe? So there's really a difference in attitude, isn't it? One, they don't care. On the other way, they care, but they find themselves wandering anyway. Hmm? Now, look at here in Jeremiah again. According to Jeremiah, 
What dangers face a person who wanders away from the Lord after being rescued by him? Oops, there we go. The emphasis here is that God has already gathered his people. He has already gone ahead and called us. If we wander away, he then again will remember. As we read in Jeremiah, the Lord does not accept them. Now he'll remember their iniquity and punish their sin. A body is meant to be whole. The human body is another important image that the Bible uses to describe the church. And 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26 explains the application of this image in detail. It also highlights the reason that God has so composed the body. As you look at question 5a and, it, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is read, jot down your answer to in what ways does the human body demonstrate how God has put together the congregation? For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free and all are made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing, or where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for each other. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So in what ways does the human body demonstrate how God has put together the congregation? Do you have an answer there? Yes, Sheila. Body is one and has many members. Okay, so you got... Many members. Kevin. I think of being interdependent. I mean, everybody has a role. It's really hard to drink a cup of coffee with your toes, isn't it? Yep. So it's interdependent. Mm-hmm. 
Any other answers? Very good. Now, I'd like you to take a moment to go ahead and read through the questions, or go ahead and uh, read through the questions, yes, and go ahead and answer these for yourself. Doctors routinely move a person, remove a person's tonsils, appendix, and gallbladder when seem medically necessary. Imagine that you had, had five additional members of your body removed and that you had to choose which ones. Why would it be difficult to choose which members of your body we would give up? And I wonder why they were doing five. <laughs> Never see what would happen to your ability to do things that you could do now if you, parts of your body were missing. And D is long, we'll do that one together. First of all, how many of you would be happy that you lost five other members? Okay. Why would it be difficult to choose? Anybody? What's that? Eileen? <laughs> then, you, then you're motivated, right? <laughs> each member has their purpose. We're all important to each other. Yes, indeed. Any other answers? Why would it be difficult? I just wouldn't like the surgery. Oh, losing your hair. <laughs> okay. Very good. Any others? What would happen to your ability to do the things you can do now if parts of your present body were missing? What's that again, Naomi? Difficult to impossible, yes. It's much easier to go ahead, if you never had them, to function. But to lose them is really difficult. Susan. Okay. Yep, diabetics when they eventually have lose a limb. Yep. Time goes, your hearing goes, or eyesight goes, become limited. Pastor, yes, surely. And I'm, you know, I've lost, I've lost sight. I have macular, so my sight is bad. My hearing, if I didn't have hearing aids, my hearing aids bad. But this all comes in my 80s. 
it is difficult. But you mentioned something else about thankful for what you had before. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Psalm, or excuse me, Romans chapter 12 reminds us that we are one body in Christ and that each of us, the mem individual members, belong to one another. Let's read Romans chapter 12, 3 to 5 together. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one body. So it has, how does this passage reinforce God's purpose for composing the body as it is, that there be no divisions in the body, but, there, but that the members may be, or may have the same care for one another. So how does this passage reinforce God's purpose for composing the body? Okay, we're all important, right? Yep. Any words in the scripture passage that emphasize? For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Okay. There in verse 4. There is this. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Some of us are more courageous. Some of us are more timid. But we all have gifts. All of an important part of it. Yes, Joshua. Okay. Individually members of one another. So when a part of the body hurts, you ever notice that? When a part of the body hurts, what happens? You stub your toe, what do you do? You bend towards it. And we're all functioning as the body of Christ. When someone gets hurt in the body of Christ, that we would bend towards them, that they would receive the comfort and the care that they need. When we think of our congregation in terms of a body, our inactive members are parts of the body that are missing. Which of the following statements reflect our response to the members of our congregation who currently or who are currently inactive? I want you to check all those you feel that apply.
How many of you are done? If you're done, raise your hand. Notice it says our response, not just you personally, but as a group. What I want you to do is to keep these statements in mind as we proceed through the rest of the Bible study, and then to check them against God's word. So at this point in time, I'd like you to put your pencils down, to stand up, and then to the person next to you, or close to you, say to them, shake their hand and say, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and have a seat. Good Lutherans like to have conversations, don't we? In this next section has to do with our strays being food for wild beasts. In Ezekiel chapter 34, the context is that the temple was to be a place of teaching, of God's word, of healing, restoration, as well as provision for the orphan, the widow, the poor. And these are the words that Ezekiel has to say to his people at his time and that we also can learn from them as well. Let's read them together. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they are scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or to seek them. With that in mind, yes, that is right. How are inactive members of our congregation like food for the wild beasts? Anyone? Please raise your hand. And I'll give you so they're not around fellow believers? They're just left out there? Okay. Any others? Joe? Okay, so as they're gone ahead and they're apart from the word, apart from the flock, 
They hear other things and they even get led further astray as well. Thank you. Yes, Larry. They're not strengthened to the bonding that we have between all of us, yes. I am repeating or rephrasing the answer because we're also recording it today too, so. And hopefully it helps others that are having a little tough time to hear as well. They expose themselves to the dangers and the enemies of the faith. Do you think that our inactive members see themselves as scattered sheep that are in danger? No. I want you to go ahead and take a moment and write down your answer. Do we see them that way? You answered no. Do we see them that way? Please jot down your answer. Here's the tough one, at least for me. Whom does the Lord hold responsible for the plight of the sheep in Ezekiel 34? Somebody raise it. Got a hand raised here? Okay, Elena. Each of us. Each of us? Oh, wait, the text, please. Not quite yet. All <laughs> the shepherds, so that's got to be the leadership? Yeah, the shepherds themselves. Because they were taking care of themselves. Yep. There are two kinds of shepherds. Jeremiah 23 speaks of two different kinds of shepherds. The first speaks of shepherds who have been unfaithful in the care of God's sheep. The Lord tells the shepherds that they will face the consequences of their unfaithfulness and that he will replace them with shepherds who are faithful. As Jeremiah is read, answer questions A, B, and C of seven. First of all, what became of the sheep who had an unfaithful shepherd? Second, what will the Lord do through the faithful shepherds he will put into place? And C, in regard to our inactive members, how are, they, how are we like unfaithful shepherds? There's where Elena was driving at. How are we like faithful shepherds? First of all, what will happen to the sheep that are, that have, who had unfaithful shepherds? What will happen to them? They'll be scattered, driven away. What will the Lord do through the faithful shepherds that he put into place? Okay. They'll be fruitful and multiply. Bring them all back, won't he? We'll gather them together. Now in D, who is the ultimate faithful shepherd 
being spoke of, spoken of in Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice right, and righteousness in the land. Another Who is that? Brady? It is Jesus himself. He is the good shepherd. Sheep stray on purpose. While some people say, uh, while some people stray away from the church because of unfaithfulness of their shepherds, many people stray because of their own unfaithfulness. When people have sinned, separate themselves from the flock, we are called to approach them in care and concern. In Matthew 18, 15 through 17, Jesus taught us how to do this, and often it is referred to as church discipline. This important passage guides us in how to lovingly approach people who are despising preaching and God's word. Underline or jot down your answers for 8a and 8b as Matthew 18, 15 is read. First of all, what are the three stages of engaging someone who is caught up in a sin? And B, what is the de desired outcome of each stage? Please listen. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, go. Tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two or three on earth, agree on earth about anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am among them. So what are the three stages? Go ahead and somebody have the first stage. Go ahead, Kareem. You don't tell everybody else? stage. Go ahead and tell him his fault just between you and him alone. Second stage. Yes. But, uh, sorry, I almost called you by his sister, Coral. Here we go. That's number three. Okay, number two is to go ahead and take two others along with you. And these are not necessarily people that agree with you. Okay, these are witnesses to testify of what's going on between the two of you. In fact, if you looked at the text, if anyone sins and against you is in parenthesis, we don't know whether that's a part of the text or not, if that was added later or not. So if anyone sins, go and tell them the fault just be between the two of you. Okay, and then we got the third one, tell it to the church. What is the de desired outcome of each of them? That's not in the text. What's in the text? That's the ultimate result. That's the ultimate, gaining the brother is the ultimate result, but what do you want them to do? Listen, yes. Each one of those have the word listen to it. 
Well, you've got their ear, so to speak. Okay? When you're in a conversation, you've gained them. There is a fourth stage. What is the fourth stage? Does anybody know what it is? The tax collector stage. And how did Jesus go ahead and treat tax collectors and sinners? Go ahead and raise your hand and so I can go ahead and get, yes, Sandy. Okay, so he still went out and was among them. Okay? See, sometimes this, in question eight, what goes on, these stages of discipline get twisted and abused by the church leaders. What are some ways in which this approach gets twisted and abused by church leaders and active members? Yes? The rabbis had a way of doing this, you know, three times, you sin against me three times and you're out. Okay? What other ways would church leaders might abuse this? You ever think about it, they just run through the steps? Oh, I talked to them once. Yeah, a couple of us talked to them. Okay, now let's bring them up for excommunication. Boom, boom, boom. All happens in a week. <laughs> it takes some time, conversation. Think about this. If it happened, would anybody else know with step one? Nobody else would know. In fact, how many people would know with step two? Two people. Look at this. This is the care that we're supposed to have for each other. Mm -hmm. By the time it goes public, there's been a lot of work done and a lot of praying done already, isn't it? You really know that if you... You have to believe that this is the way to do it and work with it. Thank you very much, Kareem. So, which of the follow, following reactions do we expect from people when we approach them? This follows up with you, what you were talking about, Kareem. I want you to go ahead and check all your answers. Which of the following reactions do we expect from people when we approach using the guidance of Matthew 18? How many of you checked all of them? Okay. Do we have any, anybody else that has any other answers? <laughs> reactions from people. Okay. Galatians, according to Galatians 6.1, what should be what should we be mindful when we serve people with this approach? Yes, indeed. Why? Indeed. That's what you've got to be very careful of, to do this in love, because also 
we can be tempted as well. In this next section, we're going to go ahead and look at law and gospel motivation. Because many times what happens is we get into a law motivation. I've got to do this because it's my job, or they're not going to listen to me anyway, so on and so forth. So what I would like you to do, first of all, is to underline the parts of the passages that are law, or law motivations. And number two, circle, which are gospel-motivated as the scripture passages are read. Proverbs 24, 11 to 12. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does he not who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who watches over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Underline what is law. Circle what is gospel motivation. Oops. Okay. Where's the law part? Will he not repay man according to his work? Okay. That's that whole section there. All of verse 12. Okay, the gospel? Everything else. <laughs> the gospel motivation. It, in terms, this is sanctification. It is law, too, because it tells us what we're supposed to do, but it's gospelly motivated. Okay? Ezekiel 3, 20 to 21. Again, if the righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because you have not warned him. He shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds he, um, that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood will, I will require at your hand. But if you warned the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he will surely live, because he took the warning, and you will have delivered your soul. Okay, select the law-motivated parts, and circle the gospel-motivated parts. Okay, would you guys come up for law? What part of the verse? Verse 20, all of it, huh? Yep, and the gospel-motivated action? Verse 21. So you begin to see how this works. We're going to go ahead and skip... John 4, so we can move on. We may not see the need. We may expect much in terms of results. We may even be convinced that our inactive members don't want us to contact them. But God's word makes it clear that we are called to serve our inactive members. Before we do that, we are what we, uh, before, what we are, before we do what we are called to do, we need to check our motives. If we are acting because of the threats of the law, our approach in serving our inactive members will tend to be law-based. However, if we find our motivation in the love of the gospel, that love will show forth in how we serve them. So in the back there, um, in 9b, go through the statements and pick out which ones are law and which ones are gospel. Which ones are motivated by the law and which ones are motivated by the gospel.
just going to take a sampling here as you're working through. We need to get more people involved to share the load around here. Let's see if we can get some inactive members involved again. Law or gospel? Law. Law. Okay. By the bylaws, or the bylaws say that we should remove inactive members from the roster after one year. Let's clean up the rolls. Law. We have lost touch with some members. We should reach out to, make, uh, to them to make sure that they are being cared for spiritually. There we go. And I'm going to go to the last one. Matthew 18 is clear on this. Let us start visiting our missing members to see what we can do to encourage them to return to our flock. Gospel. gospel. It is so very, very important to be motivated by the gospel out of love and care rather than just for the structure of our congregation. There is joy in restoration. First Peter According to 1 Peter 5.10, who does the actual restoring who have strayed? Listen. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after all you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, he himself will... Restore, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. Who does the restoring? The God of all grace. He is using you as the tool, but ultimately, he has to work the faith in the person's heart as we go through and live our lives. And people are restored again now through the confessing of their sins and receiving forgiveness and grace and enjoying his grace. For there is great joy when the sheep are restored to the flock. In the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus told in Luke 15, captures that joy. We're going to go move right to Luke 14. Jesus told him that, let's read this together. On page 16, Luke 14. You can look up here as well. Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing when he comes home. He calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who need no repentance. Who is included in the joy of the sheep being restored to the flock? Yes, we do. The friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. And so there should be great rejoicing as we continue. Now on the back, this is your page 17. I want you to go ahead and check the boxes on the list on page 17 for the things that you are willing to do to serve our inactive members. Do the same with the second copy. The second, co the second copy is the one that you'll hand in. The first copy is the one for you yourself so you know what you have gone ahead and uh, are asking of yourself. And the second sheet is for us to go ahead. There's going to be... Um, as we progress on, 
sessions that are coming up, and we'd like to know what you'd be, how you would be willing to serve in the various areas. So make sure your bottom is on the name, uh, your name is on the bottom, so we can contact you. And then Ray, if you can go ahead, um, be there at the table as people leave um, to go ahead and collect them. With that in mind, let us go ahead and ask the Lord blessing upon your decisions and how you will be of service in shepherding the strays. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we come to you this day with the various gifts that we have. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would guide us, maybe even stretch a bit to involve ourselves in helping the strain. Lord, guide and keep us as we commit ourselves to caring for God's people, especially your straying sheep. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>